Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Anyway, if you're there in Ephesians 6, are you there yet? Yep, good, good. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start there in verse 10. I'm going to read the scripture, and then uh, I'm going to show you a couple of things, okay? just Let's just read Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. We'll go through verse 18. And this is the context of the scripture we're using in this series, okay? So Ephesians 6, 10. And the Lord, uh, Paul says, finally, after everything he'd written, he said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I could get into a whole bunch of stuff right here. Just hear me. Have the spirit of a Joshua. And not what you're seeing in this world right now. Be strong in the Lord. Don't give in to the fear that's around here. But just be strong in God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand firm against the schemes or the wiles or the, the trickery, if you will, of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So it's not against the people you elect. But understand this. Rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of the wickedness in the heavenly places, in the atmosphere, whether you agree or don't agree. Um, isn't it true when you go into a city, ever been to a city where you felt like, yeah, I don't need to be here. You ever pulled into a city and you thought, this is weird. I kind of feel like something's not right. Well, it's because you're sensing a principality in the region that you're not familiar with, but you're picking up on it. There's something not right about it. The problem with being in a city that you've lived in for a long time is you begin to forget that there is a principality over your city too. You get familiar with it. It gets comfortable. You overlook it. But... They rule over in different areas. So you're not warring against people that vote differently than you, flesh and blood. What you're warring against is spiritual issues, real principalities, and they are there. If you don't believe that, then uh, there's not much sense in even, I'll be honest with you, there's not much sense in even going to church. If you disagree with that, you say, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, you're already deceived. He's already got you fooled. If you think there is no evil spirit present, working in the lives of people around you, influencing them. Man, I'll tell you right now, you, you're, you're already deceived. But just like the Lord can influence you, let me tell you, Satan's not influencing people. The ungodly things that you see out there, there's no other explanation for it. There's evil at work. So he said, but we're not fighting against the flesh and blood. Remember that. You're not fighting people. But there are spiritual influences moving in those people's lives. So he said, this is what you need to do. You take up the full armor of God so you're able to stand against them. <clears throat> and then he says this, and having done, and ha- be able to resist them in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm, he says again, stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Haley preached on that a couple weeks back. Great message. Go back and listen to it. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Pastor Ronnie preached on that. Go back and listen to that one as well. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel peace. We didn't do that, but when Jim and Bonnie were here, uh, all you've got to do is look at the heart of a missionary and say, that should be us. It shouldn't be that it's just them. We should have that same heart and spirit and want to see people come to Christ. And he said this, in addition to all, and by the way, let me just say this briefly. It, this is why you can't get mad at people and angry at people to the point where you don't want to have anything to do with them. You might not hang out with them, but you keep praying for them. The shoes of the gospel of peace says, I'm going to have a heart and a spirit that I might disagree with you, but I'm not going to fight with you to the point that I have no influence in your life anymore. Amen. It's important that, okay, I disagree with you, we disagree. I'm going to let that go because I might can influence you to Christ. Right. It, it's that big of a deal. 
But in addition to all this, taking up the shield of faith, Pastor Stephen taught that last week, which you will be able to <clears throat> extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That tells you right there, as a believer, you have the enemy coming against you. It's not your wife. <laughs> it's not your husband. And it's not your kids either. I'm telling you, it's not. It's just the enemy is coming at you. So then he says in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, which is what we're going to talk about today, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, which we will talk about in the next couple of weeks. But today, take on the helmet of salvation. So I brought a couple of things with you to see first. Um, these are a couple of hats. These obviously aren't helmets, but just to give you an idea of something, this is a hat. Uh, I got this when I did, uh, we did a dove hunt. I don't know, man, when that was. I can't remember. I, I swear, I think sometimes I'm in 2020 again. I don't know about you, but you guys still putting down 2020 on your dates? Like when they ask you, hey, what date is it? I write 2020 and go, oh, man. Am I the only one? Okay. I feel like I'm stuck in a time warp, man. I, I keep forgetting it's 2022, but you know, you wear this. This doesn't really do a whole lot for you, but. I guess, you know, because of the camouflage, I guess if you're in the brush, a dove doesn't see you as well. I don't know. It's whatever. I don't think that's true. This is a, I guess we call it a beanie. We used to call them toboggans. I don't know what they're supposed to be called, actually. But uh, when it's really cold, I don't like my head to be cold. This is nice. You know, when it's super cold, you can kind of keep your ears warm. That's kind of nice. It doesn't really protect you, but it keeps your head warm. Kind of a different purpose, you know, there. And this is this is like a fishing hat. I got this uh been some fly fishing. There's some places for, you know, little flies here and all your, you know, not real black, but anyway, the hook and whatnot. Uh, this really doesn't do much as far as protecting you. Um, I guess if a guy was slinging a hook and it grabbed it, I guess instead of getting your head, I guess that's one way it could protect you. Um, but it does have a, you know, pretty round, large bib on it there where it kind of keeps the sun off of you, you know, so it kind of helps in some UV stuff. But overall, not any of those things would help protect your head from impact something large and hard enough hit you it's not going to help at all um, but a helmet when the bible talks about a helmet it fits over your head and it is something that is used to give you protection from hits that you can't avoid so a couple of things on just to, to think about this i thought i would uh, show you some impact now i didn't do the gross ones but you're going to see if if you're like squirmish a little bit uh, this might you might have to close your eyes, uh, but I'm going to show you a couple of hits that take place. And these aren't the bad ones. These are the ones that you aren't going to get sick with, but it might make you, ugh. So I want you to take a look. This is impact to the head and watch the protection that is there. So uh, take a look at this, uh, this video here with these clips on it. You can see this. Whoa. This guy's wearing a helmet, just like knocked it, it off. Some helmet there. It really spun the helmet off the head of Brandon Drury. Hopefully he just caught it out near the bill. It looks like it might have hit the brim of the helmet. Yeah, yeah. Hey! That was a breaking ball. Salvi, I think, was hit on the ear flap. He says he's all right. It's obviously a shock immediately for the hitter. It was a slip. And you know what? That's a new pitch for him, thankfully. Uh, it's, a, it's a curve that he tried to flip up If you up think there. that doesn't hurt, and you're wrong. Obviously did not have the relief. That's with a helmet on. Player of the month. In April. Look I mean, when the pitcher acts like that, he knows that just hurts somebody. That's with a helmet. You want to stay out there. Stephen Wright, it was a fastball that he was going to try and jam Colabello on it. It sounded like it got the helmet. 
Cervelli do the same thing early on. You say, Pastor, how many of these are going to show you? I'm going to show you enough to where you, I want you to get the point. You got one or two more. What they're doing right now is talking to him because he probably got a concussion. It looks like. Oh, two. Watch. One, two. Up and in and hit him. This old boy here, he just being a man. That's all it is right there. He's just trying to show off to his girlfriend that I, I might. He's seeing stars right now. Let me just tell you right now, that brother is, he can barely walk to that first baseline. And why not show you all that? Because I want you to see those guys got up and walked in. Now, if they had gotten hit without a helmet on, it's typically 90 mile an hour plus baseballs. If you've ever been hit by a baseball, it doesn't feel good. It hurts. And the term softball, I think is the most You're saying it because of the same thing. Why? It doesn't make any sense. It's not soft at all. Don't go playing thinking it's not going to hurt. It'll hurt worse. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big ball, you know. But the reason why the Lord says through Paul to take the helmet of salvation is because this helmet needs to be on your head. It's because it protects your head against hits you can't see. The shield is there to protect against the darts you do see. You can take a shield and you can do this and you're, you, you know, the, the belt of truth, it holds some of this armor together, you know, kind of thing. The breastplate is there to protect you. you. You got all these things here, but that helmet is for blows that you don't see. Guy comes up behind you fighting, and this is from Roman culture. If they were fighting centurions and others, and well, he wouldn't be fighting, he'd be overseeing the, 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 the regiment there. And so this guy comes up behind you, you don't see him, and bap, he hits you with the blunt end of his, his sword in the back of your head. You never saw it coming, but it hit you nonetheless. The helmet of salvation is there to protect you against hits you don't see. And people think, well, I I can watch everything the enemy does. No, you can't. He is what the Bible calls, two things we just share before I move forward. The reason the Lord says to you to put on the whole armor of God is because you need every piece of it. Have you ever seen a Christian that doesn't use, like, the rest of the armor? Like, all they have is their sword. They're the mean Christians you see. Like, they just want to fight with somebody. You know, they like they got the sword. Like, just give me something to fight with. Well, not everything that you get involved with is a fight. Some things are defensive maneuvers. You know, that sword, if you look at it, it's not a sword like Braveheart. You know, it's not like that. A Roman sword is more like a scabbard. It's very small. I'll talk about it later. But that thing, if that's all you have, and you fight with people all the time with just the word of God, that is not the way the Lord intended for it to work. If all you have is your shield, you can't fight back. You have to have all of it. And if you neglect the helmet in military, it can't stop everything. It, I mean, if you get hit with a certain round, I mean, you, if 50 cal hits you, you, it's over, game over. I don't know what you could, I mean, that thing is vicious. But typically, the typical rifle that, that in military uses, a helmet could deflect even some rifle uh, rounds. But you're to take on the whole armor of God. And I think Pastor Ronnie talked about this, but go back and listen to the message. But anyway, it is the armor of God. It's not your armor. It's very important to understand. When I talk about the helmet of salvation, this is not your armor. It's the armor of God. And it is important that you take his armor. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. Does everyone understand what I'm saying? It's not your armor. A Christian who says, well, I put on my shield today. Well, it's not your shield. If it's your shield, then I'm worried because that means uh, you're not going to be able to stop what's coming.
If you take on his shield, it's a whole different ballgame. Well, what's the difference, you say, Pastor? If you take on the helmet of salvation, and it's your helmet, it's your belief and your understanding of what you think the gospel is. If you put on his helmet of salvation, you will subject yourself to what he says about salvation and not what you think. Do y'all see the difference? It is the preference of Christianity today to put on my armor. I will put on what I want, when I want, the way I want, design it the way I like it, and this is my armor. That is not the way the Bible teaches. It is his armor, and it is his doctrine that matters, not mine. So it's the helmet of salvation. And we need this helmet is because it's one of the most vulnerable areas that we have is your brain. Your skull, physically, can only take certain amounts of impact before a concussion takes place or brain damage. You cannot sustain a heavy blow. That's why Muhammad Ali... Though he could move like a butterfly, sting like a bee, later on in life, he, he took so many blows in his life, taking hits. It, it just affected him over time. You can't take sustained hits over and over and over again. You need a helmet. And the helmet is the helmet of salvation. Now, those guys had helmets on to block that. I want to show you some. I, I, the reason I showed you the baseball thing, I'm not a big baseball fan, but I mean, it's cool, but it just, you know, watching on TV, I fall asleep like about every other sport. It takes so long. Now, if I was at the ballpark eating peanuts, maybe, okay, that's kind of a little different, you know. Da-da, da-da. It was kind of like, it was a little more fun. But um, uh, I got on a news feed through my phone. This uh, reporter got hit with a 95-mile-an-hour fast up, hit off the bat. So it's one thing when a pitcher throws it, it's 90, 95, 96-mile-an-hour. When the bat connects with it, this thing could be upwards of 100, 110, 120 mile an hour off the bat. She was on the sidelines doing reporting and off to the side of, I don't know how this thing hit her the way it did, but came across the bat, hit her directly in the head, 95 miles an hour. It just happened last week. So now, don't get gross, but I'm about to show you. Um, Let's show you this first image. This is her showing a a picture of it so you can see. Look at that scar on the top. All right, 95 mile an hour line drive to the head. She's a sports announcer or sports uh, reporter. Look at this up close. I want you to see this gash. I said, wow, Pastor Jody, what is this today? It's not so gross. Look at that gash. Top of her head, she, and you can't see the forward house. Top of it, she had to have stitches on the inside and outside. And thank the Lord, she's okay. She's going to be okay, they said. But it's a miracle she didn't die. In 1920, I, and you say, what, are you doing baseball today? No, it just wants you, it's just the thing I saw to help drive the point home. In 1920, a guy by the name of Ray Chapman, he died from a pitch to the head. Just a pitch. That's before baseball helmets came on. And now little leaguers, if you see this, now little leaguers, and coach, you might be able to help me. I don't know. I I'm, I'm, hope I'm right with this, but 65 mile an hour is typically in little leaguers before they get to be about, you know, middle school age or whatever. Anything younger than that, 65 mile an hour is about the max helmet protection you need. As soon as they get up to middle school or especially high school, impact rating, you better check that helmet if your kids play ball. There's some that handle 95 mile an hour pitches that protect the kids' head. Why? Because the kids can throw fast now. Why is that important? Because the impact of that helmet takes the blunt. And you don't as a human. Well, what if it was different and you said, what if it was spiritually you didn't have a helmet on? And imagine all the times the enemy comes at you and hits you with these thoughts that says, well, if you was really saved then. Or how do you know there's really a heaven? How can you be assured that you're saved? 
And it's blow after blow after blow. And if you don't have the helmet of salvation on, he will make you question everything about your belief in God. That's why this is so important. Let me just say this um, about your brain before I go any further and just explain a couple of things. Uh, they did a study on this guy from, from uh, in Israel at Hebrew University. <clears throat> it's actually the name of it, but um, they did a study on this and they figured out why is it that in military, in the Gulf War, they were doing some studies this years ago, obviously. Why were men coming back with so much trauma? What they found out was this, that your brain physically can sustain a number of different things. They were given certain kind of injections to protect them against chemical warfare and whatever else they were trying to do. But it was some men were getting uh, some different cognitive reactions from it and others didn't. Here's what they found out. Your brain, you can handle so many different things against coming against you. You can handle so many different obstacles, so many different challenges. You can have everything against you and you can make it and go through it if you don't have sustained stress consistently in your life. If you can get a break from the stress and regroup, you can go back in and go again. But you cannot handle stress after stress after stress after stress physically in your brain. What it does is it releases this protective. Y'all know you're thinking, what is he talking about today? Just hang in there. It is a blood barrier around your skull, around your brain, if you will. The part that floats in the that you know, spinal fluid or whatever it's called in your head. But there's this barrier around your brain that God created. And as long as you don't have stress and anxiety overload every single day of your life, you take a break and a rest, you can handle it and regroup and go again. But if you every day have stress and you never stop, the brain, this barrier actually breaks down and little holes are there. So toxins and other medication that normally wouldn't get to your brain actually get inside your brain. And it causes a breakdown. Now that's in the physical. Think about the spiritual side of that. If the brain physically handles it, what about your spiritual muscle, if you will? How's that doing right now? How are you doing right now in the area of your spiritual walk with God right now? Your belief in the salvation of Christ Are you under so much spiritual heaviness that you think, why is this happening to me? I'm telling you why. It might be because you don't have a helmet on of salvation. It could be something your mom and daddy told you, a belief that you have, that maybe it's not true. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts here just briefly about salvation. Some of the top things people ask me about, but about salvation. Let me just say this, the worth of salvation, it totally depends upon the worth of the Savior. If your worth of the Savior or your value of Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross is very minimal, then your belief or what you uh, value of salvation is going to be very minimal. But if you believe in the pure resurrection of Jesus, that it's, it is a work that is a finished work, if you believe in that, then your belief in salvation is going to go up as well. It all depends on how much value you place on the Savior. So look at a couple areas really, really important about this helmet. Uh, number one, on salvation in itself. This is what people ask more than anything else I've ever been asked as a pastor. Can I lose my salvation? Is it possible? Now I'm going to tell you something right now. If you've ever asked that question, or if you're asking it right now, that tells me something about your helmet. You might can handle a 65 mile an hour fastball, but you probably can't handle a 95. Simply because of the question you're asking. 
the question that you ask tells me you don't have confidence in your salvation. That tells me your helmet can only sustain so much. You probably can't sustain a heavy conflict. Are y'all with me this morning? I know it's weird. I know you're like, what? Baseball and brains? And now we're going to salvation? I get it. Hang in there. Salvation, can I lose it? Let me just give you the word salvation. I'll put it on the screen for you. It's the word soza. It's in Greek. You probably heard this before. It's soteria. And it means more than just being saved. It means to be whole, to have wellness about you, to be delivered, to be ransomed, to be preserved. Just a number of words I just put together so you could have it. Let me, let me ask you a question, though. If, the question is, can I lose my salvation? Well, let me throw this out to you a different way. Um, if the thought is, if I can lose my salvation, then did I win my salvation? I'm going to let you sink that in for a minute in your brain. Let the just, it's floating in there going like, wait a minute. Yes, I said, if I can lose my salvation, then the question is this morning, did I win my salvation? If you can lose it, then did you win it? And if that's where we're going, then you're working on earning your salvation, your own works, and you're not on faith. If you can lose it, then you must have won it. And if you want it, listen, I don't want any part of that religion because I know my walk I'm not, I'm not good enough to handle that. I don't need that weight in my life. I need a Savior that was perfect, that was whole, sinless, came as a man, died on the cross for me, substituted himself for me. That's what I need. Because Jody is not good enough. <laughs> like right now, mine is not good enough. So if I can lose it, then my belief in salvation must be on the fact that I could win it. And I would tell you, your helmet is very fragile if you believe that. So let me give a couple of scriptures, okay, to prove this. First John 2, 1. Listen to this. My children, I'm writing these things to you so that you might not sin. So that you might not sin. And he says, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So if you do sin, you don't lose your salvation. You go to Jesus. Amen. I say, Lord, just like we were singing, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Does that mean you've lost your salvation? No. It means I have a repentant heart. And these weirdos that say stuff like, oh, you should never say that because it'll... Con-, that's ridiculous. Try working that out in your marriage. Try saying, I've never... No, I'm, we're married and that's it. And I should never have to say I'm sorry. That'll never work. You'll be calling me up. Can I get some counsel? And I'm going to refer you to somebody because that's a crazy thing to say. You should say I'm sorry. You should probably look to him right now and say, you know what? I'm sorry for not saying I'm sorry because I should have said it earlier. I'm sorry. Romans 8.33 says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? That just simply means this. It is not, I'm not getting an election right now. It just simply means this. God has foreordained anyone and everyone that would accept Jesus. There's a path for them. There's not some that get picked and some that don't. It is a simply decision on your part. If you want it, it's there. And if once you say yes, you are of the elect, period. That's as simple as I can make. But he says this, God is the one who justifies. And who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ, will tribulation. Watch this. These are the blows against your helmet. Will tribulation separate me from Jesus? Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we're being put to death all the day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer them through him who loved us. And I'm convinced. Can you, can you imagine the strength of his helmet 
to go around and say something like he's about to say, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, talking about the angels of God, nor the principalities or demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor the powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's a helmet I want. That right there can take a fastball at 95. That right there might take a, a couple of rounds from a military, uh, you know, conflict. That's the helmet that says, I'm convinced. Did tribulation separate me from Christ? No. Is this happening to me because I sinned? I don't know, but it doesn't separate me from Christ. Maybe I did make a bonehead decision and a mistake and I'm paying some consequences for it. doesn't mean that God's sending it after you. Some things in life, there are consequences. It doesn't mean it's God. I mean, if you hit me, I'm probably going to hit you back. I don't, I'm not good with the whole turn the other cheek thing that Jesus talked about. I ain't there yet. I ain't that sanctified, okay? You hit me, I'm probably going to hit you back. I'm sorry that you, well, pastor, that ain't really holy. I'm sorry. I'm a guy and I'm not there yet. Maybe one day I can be there, but right now I'm telling you, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. Period. I watched this pastor one time. He got hit smacked right into the prayer line. Brother co-cocked him right in the floor. He just got up and, you know, like pray for people. Not me. I will, at that moment, I'm just telling you, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened, but that wouldn't have been my reaction. He's some more sanctified than me is all I got to say. What a helmet he's got. But I'm just telling you, tribulation, no. Pain and suffering, no. I'm still as saved as I was when I was in the good times and not in the good times. Inflation, woo does that mean God's against you? No. It means we got some goofballs, made some stupid decisions. We're all paying for it right now. That's what it means. But God's still for me. My helmet's got to be secure in him, not in this crazy mixed up world we got going on. So can you lose your salvation? In my personal theological opinion, if you say yes to Jesus, I don't think you can lose it because, number one, you didn't win it. If his work was good enough to save you, his work's good enough to finish it to the completion of you get to heaven. Even through the problems that you go through, yes. Yeah, but what if I fall short? Well, welcome to the club of Christianity. Let me just shake your hand after church. I don't know of anybody in here that's got it all figured out. Nobody. Your pastor doesn't either. I'm going to tell you something. Just this last couple weeks, I had some crazy things happen. And my reaction probably was not the way that that other pastor would have reacted. That's so sanctified. Just a sorry. Just not that sanctified. I'm going to walk just like you. You press certain buttons on me. I'm sorry. It's just kind of have to apologize. I'm a work in progress. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I am too. That gives you a lot of freedom. I am too. I'm a work in progress. Second thing Jesus did for you in salvation. This is your helmet. Can you lose salvation? Well, if you want it, I guess you could. But if Jesus did it, I don't think you can lose it. Number two, he did it. He was a substitution for sin. He replaced you. This is a helmet that you need. You need to have this on your helmet. Substitution. First Peter 3.18. For Christ also died for sins once and for all, for the just, for the unjust, so they might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He was your substitute. That means your sin for his righteousness. He took your place. 
He didn't just forgive sin. This idea that he just forgave sin indicates sometimes, well, he forgave it, but will he forgive it again? If you understand the substitutionary work of Jesus, he took upon himself your sin and he imparted into you his righteousness. Pastor Ronnie talked about that. It's part of the helmet of salvation. So when you're not there yet, you don't quit and you don't give up. You say, I'm just a work in progress. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. And the last thing he did, he reconciled you with the Lord. This is a very interesting term. Let me read this to you from 2 Corinthians 5.18. I'll put it on the screen for you here, but um, 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all these things are from God, watch this, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, <laughs> reconciling the world <clears throat> to himself. Watch this. Understand the work of Jesus. He was reconciling the world. When he says the world, he is not talking about Christians. He didn't say Christians. He's reconciling the world to himself, not counting up their trespasses against them. Mercy. That is amazing. That was worth coming to church today just to understand that. He's not counting up my trespasses. I can sleep good tonight. Because I've made a number of mistakes that he could count up, but he's not doing it. He has committed to us this word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He, he didn't count up your sin. He's not keeping a ledger of your mistakes. He's not holding things up against you. He's saying, I've reconciled you to God by my work. Get that on your helmet. Stop working on, well, I did this last week right there. You're not supposed to count up the ledger. You're supposed to say, that is reconciled to Jesus. <laughs> Just say, thank God it was reconciled. Now, I had this experience this last week. It about drove me crazy. I can do administration work, but it is not my favorite thing to do. There are some people who love to get on numbers and just go, and just like at the end of the day, they're like, they come home, everything's just so, not me. I can do it. It's just not my wiring, okay? So I was having to go through numbers and accounting, and I was missing in my ledger, if you will, a $50 charge. Now, you might think, what's the big deal, Pastor? Well, it's not my personal thing. It's on the church. I could not reconcile a $50 charge. Couldn't figure it out. Where was it at? I've heard my mom-in-law, she's talking about before, had to do end-of-the-month reconciliation work stuff when she used to work for medical field. And I used to wonder, why does it take so long? Have to end the month? Why does it take her so long? She'd be, you know, it'd be all-day thing, like running reports. Why does it take so long? Oh, I found out this week. For three days, I searched, and I searched for a $50 charge. What's the big deal? Well, I, <laughs> it's a big deal. We're a nonprofit. I got to make sure that stuff lines up. Maybe for you personal stuff, it probably doesn't matter so much. But in our world, it matters. And when the bookkeeper gets it and the CPA looks at it, it's all got to work. I know it's there. I know the charge is there. I know the money was there. But on the ledger, I can't figure it out. And I'm going, this is not going to work because it don't line up. It took me three days to find it. Finally, I figured out what it was. It was actually a, a, a refund because of the way this vendor bills. It was inside their bill 
but as a refund because I canceled one purchase and bought another one and I got a better deal on it. I didn't realize it because it was the wrong day. I needed a different date for the travel arrangement. $50 refund back. I couldn't find it because of the way they reconciled their expenses on their receipts. Three, did I tell you three days of my life? Y'all, I'm, I'm saved, but I ain't all there yet. I, want, I was at the point of going, Lord, because it, it was my purchase. I can't blame it on anybody else. I, it's mine. I got to fix it. Finally found it, and I thought about this word reconciliation. If you don't think that Jesus did a work for you, spent the time before he count the cost, before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, he looked down and said, He's not going to hold the world. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus in this ledger over here. And he's not counting up your sins in your ledger over here. So what did he do? He said, I'm going to reconcile you in your ledger over here with God. And I'm going to put his ledger over here. I'm going to exchange it. And it's going to reconcile so that when it makes it at the end, it all lines up. And when your CPA looks at it, he says, Yep, that'll work. I can submit that to the IRS. No problem. How much more do you think the work of Jesus matters? It's a finished and reconciled work where he's not counting up your sins against you. And this goes into the helmet of salvation. In Romans chapter 5, it says this, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Listen to this. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And not only this, but we also exult or rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Your salvation in the helmet of salvation, you are in the right standing with God in the right column. If you don't know accounting, it just means a ledger of numbers, best I can tell you. If you don't like numbers, I'm sorry, but reconciliation is a biblical term as much as it is a numbers term for your accountant. It, it lines up, it adds up, and it makes sense. And he did that for you. Why is that so important? Because when you get through trials, as Paul said, when you get through these different things, you're going to question things if your helmet isn't on their good. Am I saved? I don't know. We'll go back. What does he say? Did you win your salvation? No. Did he pay for your salvation? Yes. Then guess what? You can't lose something he gave you. I think he's got a lot more control of that stuff than you do, right? Yeah. He substituted himself for you. He took your place. So you don't have to pay penance anymore. You can enjoy salvation. In the midst of, <laughs> in the midst of trying to grow up and be a mature saint, you can, you can rest in your salvation. Even when you want to take a stool and throw it through your computer, you can rest in your salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And he reconciled your account. You don't have to stop. You don't have to keep trying to do it yourself. Well, if I do three more good things, then my ledger looks better. No, it doesn't. How could it look any better than what he's already put on there? Because he finished it all. 
And so this morning, I just want to encourage you with this. As you put on the whole armor of God, that you stop today and remember, even in the midst of trials and tribulations and difficulties, do not ever forget this, that that help, that salvation is much more secure than you believe it is. And just because you go through difficulty does not mean God is against you. It just means this world's come at you and he's still with you though. Hang, do not take your helmet off. You're in a fight right now. Hold that thing on tight. Scrap it down if you got to. Whatever you got to do, get that thing on there. Don't forget what he's done for you. So today, if you're watching online or in this room, I just want to pray for you. If you don't mind closing your eyes, bowing your head just for a moment. <clears throat> if you're here and you, or like I said, you're watching online, broadcasting, whichever, and, and you're, you're at this place where you just question, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would love for you to decide today to believe in the work of Jesus over your work. I would love for you to submit that to Jesus today. If you're watching online right now, I'd love to pray for you. And this whole church will pray right now, but I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I just ask you today just to surrender your life to Jesus and just accept what he's done for you. That you don't have to try to fix it. You don't have to try to add up better stuff in your column. It's just time to receive his work and stop trying to be what you think he needs you to be and just receive what he's done for you. So right now, let me just pray for you. If, if that's you in this room, I'm just going to repeat this after me. The whole church will pray with you right now. But you'll just repeat this after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I ask you, Lord, to help me. I ask you to save me, and I ask you to forgive me. As I make you my Lord and Savior, I ask you today, to help me understand my salvation. And I receive everything you did for me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we are so proud of you right this morning, church. Would you give me a hand? Let them know online as well. So proud of you. If you're watching online or broadcast on your screen right now, it says connect.cornerstonerome.com. We would love for you to fill that out for us and we'll help you get started walking with Jesus and uh, help you as a disciple of Christ. And I just pray for you right now that in Jesus' name you're watching, don't ever forget that you did not win your salvation. So if you didn't win it, you can lose it. It's not yours to pay for it. It's his. He paid for it. If you're in this room as well, you can do the same. You can do it online or you can do it in the seat back in front of you. There's a little card. You can fill it out for us and let us know. Drop in the offer box. We'll help you get started walking with Christ in whatever way we can. Um, if you're a guest with us today, man, we'll say thank you for being a part of Cornerstone Church today, watching online or in the house, either one. Man, appreciate you being out here today. And uh, we'd love to get to know you. And so that card will also help us with that. If you want to take a moment to fill that out and just drop in the offering box. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.